Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the episode of These Are the Voyages on the Captain. Captain Chase McKinney and joining me once again for this final adventure of Lower Decks uh, in their fourth season. My dear friends, those that do not steal things that I know of, my dear friends, Commander Eric and Commander David, how are you, fellas? Doing good. Cool. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Eric? <laughs> I said I'm good. <laughs> that was a really long... It didn't come through <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, man. We're off to a great start. Here we go, gang. Here we go. Man. All right. So we are... Uh, we're here at the finale uh, for, for Lower Decks. And, of course, we're going to talk about it. Uh, season four of Lower Decks, not the series finale but uh yeah we're at the end of another season of another show and uh before we get down to it um what the heck have you guys been up to man it's been it's been a minute since we got to uh kind of chit chat had a little bit of delay here and there but um time travel am i right time travel time travel yeah i don't like time travel. Go time travel it messes it messes I, with time But that's why you travel time. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> okay, let's just go ahead and talk Trek. Because, like, I don't know where we're going with this anymore. <laughs> I <I'm laughs> uh, I don't know. What's going on? That's Nothing. what I'm wondering. Like, I mean, you know... <laughs> I think I said this last year, and I have to be a little quiet. I I live with a premature Christmas decorator. Oh. <laughs> we already have our Christmas tree up. Okay. Man. Are you moving here soon? Yes. Yes, we are. We're moving right after Thanksgiving. So we put up our tree. And I was like, Let's, what? We're, we're moving. We have to take it down. And she's like, well, just wrap it, carefully move it. Man, okay, well. So. I wasn't okay. quiet enough. <laughs> shots fired, shots fired, you've been found out. Man down, man down. So, just my daughter. His, his video feed just go black. <laughs> <laughs> Or red and green. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the thing too. Yeah. So um, here, oh, I don't know, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, maybe um, something like that. My daughter wasn't feeling that great, and she had to like miss school for like uh, for like a day or two. And I can't remember if it was like over the weekend, like that when that was going on, or. I think it was, I think it was, yeah, it was, um, it was a Saturday. I was getting back from, uh, this event that I was at for the weekend. My mother-in-law had come over and I don't know why, and neither does my wife. We have our guesses, but we, we aren't a hundred percent sure why she did it, but she brought over this like 
little miniature like Christmas tree that had like the fiber optic lights or whatever in the stuff or whatever and like she just like brought it over and just like set it up um, like on like the kids like kitchen or whatever just to light up while she wasn't feeling good like just so she'd have I guess something nice to look at <coughs> I don't know but guys this is like before Halloween is even officially here Okay, so like, so we had a freaking mini Christmas tree set up before Halloween, and I felt so dirty on the inside. I just want to, I just want to say that for the record. Before Halloween, that's crazy. Yeah, we are. I know, like we didn't. So we did not set it up. Okay, we did not do it. We are a Black Friday Christmas tree setting up kind of family. That's like our tradition, and. Got it. My mother-in-law pulls it out of the box, sets it up, and bada bing, bada boom. There's a Christmas tree before Halloween's even here. Tis the season, guys. Tis the season. Tis the season. Have you already watched like Nightmare Before Christmas? I mean, if you're already in Christmas tree mode, Eric. Okay, I, I like that is not that great of a movie. Like. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm, I don't care if that upsets people. Like, that is probably the most overrated movie, like, of all time. And the reason I say that is because there are people that base their entire personalities around that movie. No, there are. Well, you you could say that about a lot of movies and genres and stuff there but too. Like, it's man, always it, like it's a it's a fine movie, but it's like the like the status that some people lift it up to is like ridiculous well, one, one of the ones that I always thought was weird that got uh, a, a two number two was Hocus Pocus I don't really understand that either oh the appeal to Hocus Pocus yeah and then it got a second one and like I, I remember walking around the neighborhood at Halloween and like there was decorations of just like Hocus Pocus yeah, we watched Hocus Pocus. I think that came out like was it last year or the year before? Hocus, yeah, like last, last year. year. The, yeah, the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that good. It was like the the Sanderson sisters didn't even have to be in it. I mean, and they're probably gonna make a Hocus Pocus three just because of how it ended. By the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, neither Raquel or I had even seen the first Hocus Pocus. What? No, we hadn't. Like, I had no interest in watching it, but we were like, wow. the second one came out last year, and we were just sitting around on a Saturday not doing anything, and we we're like, hey, let's watch both Hocus Pocuses, right? Like, it back to back. And so we watched the first one, and I kind of looked over at her and was like, do you want to watch the second one? And she's like, I was hoping you would ask that question, because no. <laughs> so we never did. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, there's like certain like Halloween movies that we would watch, like around here. I think like the Halloween Town movies are like one of them that you find like on Disney Plus. Casper, um, those Casper. are some of them. That's, that's a good, movie man. to re. That's a movie to revisit. It's a good one. And then like I enjoy the Scream movies. Um, I do too. Yeah. 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 Um, one that we just saw. I, I honestly, again neither Raquel or I had seen it I think she might have seen it like a long time ago but I'd never seen it is Beetlejuice 
Mm, okay. And we just yeah. watched that one, yeah. I think that they were talking about making another one of those. Yeah, Beetlejuice 2, two. comes out in 24. Oh, there's a second Beetlejuice, huh? Yeah, Got Michael Keaton have... back. Yeah, Michael Keaton will be back as... Um... Winona Ryder, she coming back? Winona Ryder will be back, and uh, Jenna Ortegas will be um, Winona Ryder's daughter in the movie. <sighs> She's, like, everywhere now. Yeah, yeah. she is. All those gothic stuff, because I guess it's gothic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Once they find one person for that, cast them and everything. Yeah, when I went to uh, when I went to Denver beginning of October, um, that was actually one of the movies that I downloaded to watch on the plane. It's an hour and a half movie, and it just amazes me that Beetlejuice doesn't actually show up until literally forty-five minutes into that ninety-minute movie, and he's like yeah, he's barely not- in it. He's the title character, but he's not the main character. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't show up till like literally the halfway mark, forty-five minutes, and then like even after that, he's barely in the dang thing. So there you go. I don't think um, um, Alec Baldwin's gonna be in it, or Gina or Gina Davis. I think that's done and over with. But <laughs> well, you definitely just, with Alec Baldwin. You just, yeah, you just don't give Alec Baldwin any prop pistols or anything like that. Oh, man. Ah, that's a cruel joke, but it did happen. <laughs> I was about to say something even crueler. as a bad taste joke, but I won't. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So here we are moving into uh, holiday season with, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, <coughs> Christmas, and soon-to-be New Year's, um, and... Lots of lots of stuff happening in the very near future. So, um, yeah, I was just in Florida uh, for a professional trip, and that was pretty fun. Um, second year in a row going to Florida for the conference, and next year uh, the conference will be in San Antonio. So I don't have to fly; I can just drive. Hey, hey, hey! I've made that drive. It's a long drive, but you know, depends on where you're staying. Some good places down here. I'm staying in your place. <laughs> what are you talking we only about? got we only got one bedroom. Hey, Rumi. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you and Raquel like to snuggle with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I'll be down there um, sometime in I think November, December. We haven't figured out the date yet, but um, it'll be good. It'll be good. You know, last year I was part of a. Um, like a, a training conference, a training, like year round training seminar. We met, you know, on Zoom, you know, twice a month. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, it was for Nat for the national because my school organization is a national organization. And like they had two like in person big gatherings, right? Uh, throughout the year. The first one was in Nashville, like last September. And I went to that one, right? Which was fun going to Nashville because we got out to some honky tonks out there on the nashville whatever's what like their their strip whatever i don't know what street it is but and then the second one was in san antonio right last january or this past january and i was like well that sucks i've been to san antonio i want to go somewhere else <laughs> but they were like you know they were putting us up at like a nice fancy hotel right on the riverwalk right i was like oh that'd be cool stay at like a fancy hotel right on the riverwalk and you know, hopefully they'll give us some free food drink tickets and I can go out, you know, 
Uh, but then, like, I got COVID and I couldn't go. <laughs> Don't you just love that, Eric? Don't yeah. You love it? it was like two years after the fact that was the first time I ever got it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we I um, miss my fancy hotel right on the river. <laughs> I live in a van down by the river. Um, for for my my wife and I's uh, first anniversary, uh, we went to San Antonio, and I can't for the life of me remember what the name of the hotel was. But I looked it up, and uh, it don't exist anymore. Uh, it was like bought out, renovated, and turned into like I think apartments or something somewhere near the Riverwalk. Um, but that's okay. It had this weird parking garage. It was like this like. Um, like real, it was like this like really tight spiral kind of like parking garage thing, but like really narrow and like it was just awkward getting in and out of the parking garage. I hope it's a good visual because that's the best I got for you guys. That's the best I can do. It was on the river. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, a hotel, like right there, like at the river walk, like right there. Okay. It was, yeah. Can't think of a parking garage like that. I don't know. Maybe it was. It was maybe a little bit off, but like I just know it was like right there. And um, anyway, that was like you know, eleven, twelve years ago when we God were there. Damn. Yeah, a lot's Gosh. changed in that, that amount of time. Sure has. So anyway, well, David is. Uh, for those of you that aren't viewing this. Uh, David is sporting a new do um, for yeah, the dudes out there. Bald. Yeah, man. He's bald all over the place, except for this like rad mustache he's got. Yeah. Once I a know. year. It's evocative of like a character from Orange is the New Black. Right? One of the prison guards who ended up playing the Master Chief on the Halo TV show. No, no one's seen that show. No, I'm just trying to completely remove that actor from my mind because of what he did in SVU to um, Olivia Benson. Oh, okay. Still, isn't still he like her? Soon. Wasn't he like her brother? No. no, 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 no. She ended up having a brother, right? Way after the fact. Yeah, yeah. This was a dude that did some not-so-nice things to her. Okay. And we'll leave it at that. Anyway, David, welcome back to Mustache Land. Is it for um, uh, No Shave November? Is that what we're doing? Well, Movember. No Shave November would be not shaving, you know. Okay. It's it's kind of in the title. Hmm. Hey, do you remember when people no. were getting the little mustache tattoos on their fingers and like mustaches <sighs> yeah. were everywhere? Like I don't know, like ten years ago or whatever. You remember that? No. <laughs> you tried to block it out. There's a lot of stuff I try and block. <laughs> That's a good one to block out. Oh. I wonder how many people got that tattoo like covered up. A little mustache. Probably quite a few folks, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember like all like the like prop signs like popping up at like parties and weddings and stuff, but not so much the the tattoo. 
Yeah, it was out there. So it ever, definitely since, existed. Yeah, now they're just putting a whole mannerisms of different stuff on their faces. So, Eric, is this you telling us that um, your wife has a mustache finger tattoo? No. <laughs> no, no, she does not. You've seen her hands. like. Have I? Yes. I've seen her hands? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay all right <clears throat> well good talk everyone good talk speaking of talk do you want to talk trek yes let's, let's do, do it, it. <laughs> all right everyone buckle up welcome to um to the show we are going into spoilerific territory uh, so this is your red alert. So we talk about the season four finale, episode 10 of Star Trek Lower Decks, season four, called Old Friends, New Planets. What a fun title, right? I mean, it's better than some of the other titles we've had this season. I was just, I mean, I was thinking, like, because I remember, like, we were talking about this Dumbass at one point, titles. guys. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about this, like, um, earlier on in this particular season, right? Like wondering like what the name of the episode was going to be and then um like have the episode titles been released and i'm just wondering like do you really think that this title would have like spoiled anything i mean like now obviously that we've seen it like the context makes sense but like would this have actually spoiled anything with this particular title do you think no no yeah I mean, it would have like gotten you like thinking like, "Ooh, who are your <clears throat> old friends?" Is like Picard gonna show up or whatever, you know? Um, I mean, what was what was last week's title? The inner oh, fight. Oh, the inner fight. The inner fight. Yeah, they held both of those titles back from us. Yeah. Right until the episode dropped, and like, why? Right? Mm-hmm. At least they didn't lie to us like season three of of Discovery did, where they gave us fake title names Gosh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah uh, imagine in, in the day and age where you know like spoilers can be a big thing depending on what you are but uh-huh. a cartoon on paramount uh-huh. plus is 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 being tight-lipped about episode titles yeah a 30 minute cartoon is being tight-lipped about episode titles what was like the last episode of Ahsoka was like the Jedi, the witch and the warlord or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, that one I can understand. Like keep that one back. Cause it's like, I can figure out who those people are from the idea of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but old friends, new planets. Like, I don't know who the old friend is. I mean, I, after last week's, episode i know who it is but like you know well, there are a few if old you'd friends given that... the, if you'd given us all the episode titles at the start of the season i wouldn't have been able to figure this out mm-hmm. yeah and there were a few old friends that showed up right at the beginning by the way so one of the things that we um spent a good amount of time um fussing about um earlier this season was time frame with like Cito and uh, Mariner right at the academy 
and we have this cold open where we get this flashback 13 years ago and we're at Starfleet Academy, right? And we see, um, we, we see our, our friends that we first met in the first duty um, talking about like, let's go do something real special. And um, they're all there talking about doing this like culvert starburst maneuver, uh, doing the whole Nova Squad thing. Yeah. And uh, Mariner shows up. And apparently Mariner is a, what, first-year cadet? Second-year cadet, I think, is what's established um, in this episode. And yeah. um, and they're, you know, doing their thing. So we know that there is a little bit of an age gap. Um, but I think... Um, I think I saw... Was it like a, a second-year cadet pips that were on Mariner, and then um, everyone else, I think it was like third and fourth year cadets. Does that sound right? Yeah. So, yeah, so 13 years ago, so 2368, they're at the Academy. Obviously, the episode's in, uh, this episode's taking place in 2381. So, I mean, Mariner is basically the same age as Will Wheaton at this point. Yeah, that sounds. He's. I mean, he's. Isn't he was he in, he was in the second year. Yeah, so she's like, oh, just a baby a tap. We know it's not like a traditional college where you're like eighteen when you get in. You can get in at younger ages. Yeah. So you know, approximately the same age mm-hmm. as Wesley Crusher, not Will Wheaton. I'm going with it. <laughs> Which, by the way, it didn't sound like Will Wheaton to me. No, it really didn't. No. But it actually was Will Wheaton in the credits. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got him on the hook right now. Yeah. After that bizarre yeah. cameo at the end of Picard Season 2. You mean the totally awesome cameo? The bizarre, out of nowhere, like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, how did whatever... Issa Brionis' character at the end, I forget her name. <clears throat> what did she do to earn, like, the right to be called the trap, to become a traveler? Because she was super cool. Do you she remember her name? Corey? Corey, okay. Yeah. She left the compound, that's what she did. Okay, she went out into the sun. Yeah, she took some magic she drugs. She became a daywalker. Yeah. Insert techno music here. What are we doing, guys? <laughs> In post. <laughs> okay. Well. So yeah, we have the uh, we have the flashback, and um, we see like <clears throat> just a very brief, tender moment with uh, with Cito and uh, Mariner there at the academy, and. Um, then everything else that's going to basically lead to what happened in um, the first duty. And, um, yeah, from there we uh, move, we start moving into the rest of the episode. And um, uh, more or less kind of picking up where we left off uh, last time. So last time um, that um, we were watching this episode, or we were watching Lower Decks, Mariner had woken up on the mystery ship and... Lacarno had said, "We're going to have some fun. We're going to get in some. We're going to start some trouble together, basically." And um, now here we are, basically picking up from there. And um, 
realizing that these ships um, have not been destroyed; they've been hijacked, basically. Okay, can we can we talk about something? You know, yeah. they always do like previously. They don't always do previously on, but you know, this episode had a previously on, mm-hmm. and sometimes in the previously on, there are some some clips that were not in an episode before this. And I kind of think that happened here. There was like a clip where Boimler said, those ships aren't being destroyed. They're being like hijacked or something. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. I don't know if anybody else paid attention to that or not or caught it. I mean, I heard it, but I don't, I don't, I heard, I mean, I remember hearing it on the recap, but I don't. Interesting. I don't know. Sometimes they throw things in there like that, and you're like, that wasn't in the episode. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. So, all right. So we've done the thing, right? Um, um, where am I going with this? Okay. Um, so yeah, we're we find out that um, there's this indisputable evidence, right, that Lacarno's been um, behind the attacks and stealing stuff, and uh, we need to act fast um, because more people get, could get hurt, and we're running out of time to basically cap all this stuff off, more or less. Um, so now we got to figure out like where he is, track him down and, uh, go from there. Um, and yeah, but we can't, we can't actually go after him because he hasn't attacked Federation ships. And and Starfleet brass is like pump the brakes on it. Basically. Right. Basically these were just mutinies on non Starfleet ships. So it's, internal politics and the prime directive says we can't get involved yeah except that the captain's daughter is kind of missing and that's just a little snag in all this yeah i i I thought that was a little i i mean i i get it in a way but it's also a little weird isn't it i mean because whether you're attacking federation or non-federation ships or taking whatever bloodless coups or whatever you want to call it um wouldn't you think that going after and stopping all that would put the federation in potentially like a favorable light for a lot of people you know yeah yeah but the federation can't be and starfleet can't be the galaxy's police force yeah Uh, i mean again the reality of the situation is they do a lot more and so if you're talking about potential ships being cooed, hmm. <laughs> but I, I mean, I get it. You know, you don't want it to be a police force, obviously, but at the same token, how many episodes of any series have we seen where we're tackling problems that are maybe beyond what they should be dealing with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The it's thing true. that, the thing that, um, I just don't get um, and I, I'm going to have to like jump ahead about just a little bit. I mean, it's not maybe that important in the grand scheme of things, but like 
you know, we, we hear about like what Locarno is doing and um, Locarno is like telling stuff right to, to Mariner on this mystery ship on this, that we've been seeing all season long. And like, it's going to be great. We have an Admiral's daughter who's defected and joined our team. Yay, Nova Fleet. Um, and then, you know, he does like this broadcast across the, the wider quadrant, which that's a thing. Cool. Um, but then after all this, right, like we hear like, uh, I have to do something. Like Mar this is uh, Captain Freeman doing all this. Like, I have to do something. I have to act. Um, <clears throat> through this, I'm going to go after my daughter. I don't care what anyone says type of thing. And like the whole ship is all about going after Mariner. So I want to, I want to try and say this as appropriately as I can. I, I completely understand that Beckett Mariner is like one of our main four characters, right? From our lower deckers, but she's a Lieutenant JG. She's not, you know, our medical chief she's not our security chief you know our communications officer she's not a bridge officer right she's not a high-ranking person and that's not to say that those of the lower rank don't really matter but really we're gonna risk we're gonna we're gonna just like throw all the resources of our ship all of our officers all of everything to go go get one junior officer. I don't know about that. I mean, Mariner's everyone's bestie. Everyone loves her. Right? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that again, like, pointing back, how many episodes have we watched just collectively over the over time that are about rescue missions? Now, I know most of them are going to involve main characters, but if you take away main characters and you just look at the kind of the ethics of Starfleet is not leaving anyone behind. So, you know, realistically, there's like a, a, a personal emotional component for Freeman who obviously it's her daughter and, you know, We've seen Kirk with his son. We've seen familial uh, stories play out, right? And that can color somebody's opinion. But at the end of the day, I mean, they've also built up this sort of sub sub story, I guess, of like, you know, the Cali class. You know, they even said Cerrito strong, which I personally think is like a stupid phrase. I, I I've never, I I don't know. Linguistics. There are certain phrases that I just can't stand, like guac, when you j could just say guacamole and, like, say the entire word. But that's just my idiot brain. <laughs> but, like, you have you have a ship that's built around this component of, like, almost family, but not quite, like, discovery family. They actually do know each other, and we don't have to tell one-off stories in one episode or whatever. But... I, I mean, personally, for me, I like the fact that she's like, you know, obviously it's her daughter, but we're not leaving someone behind, even though they're, you know, a lieutenant junior grade and so forth, and that we are going to, like, 
live up to some sort of moral and ethical standard that we're supposed to be living up to, despite the fact that this situation could potentially, and I don't really see it this way, but could potentially cause some sort of like interstellar disturbance. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, and by the way, the guy has a Genesis device, which he explains, which is like a much bigger deal. Yeah. You'd think the Federation would try to stop him just because of that, because it's like the ultimate weapon out there. Yeah, like how? How did we get like another Genesis device? Like, well, that was on the Ferengi. The Ferengi. Ferengi No, I know that, but like, we stopped all that. They probably bought. They probably bought the plans from somebody. Like, like almost a hundred years ago, we stopped dealing with that stuff. Black market. Yeah. It's a Genesis device mini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, well, which one do you want to follow? Do you want to follow um, the Nova Fleet stuff, or do you want to follow um, the uh, Cerritos stuff? I mean, I think it'd be easier to do the fetch quest first, and then you can intersect. Which one's the fetch quest? That'd be the Cerritos. You got to fetch quest something, and the other, (laughs) the other side, you're still in one contained area. But you know, despite the fact that we have to go save Mariner, but first we have to go over here and get something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I'll tell you where to find those people, but first go do this for me over here. But first. And then, oh, by the way, once you did that for me, I don't actually have the information for you. (laughs) But I know somebody who could have the information for you. And that is why so many NPCs were just destroyed in games like Skyrim. Because you just got tired of their crap. All right, so we we need some resources to be able to go against this um, uh, this Locarno Nova Fleet thing and get Mariner back. Oh, yeah. And, by, um, by the way, you also have the shielding that the the Trinar Trinar whatever. Yeah, I can't, you can't get in or out. Yeah, so we have to figure out how to like ram through, break it, do something. So this is where uh, Tendy's like, I got an idea. And we uh, we end up on Orion, which just leads us through this, like, I, I, I want to call it a comedy of errors, but it's really not. It's not It's not a comedy at all in how it all works out. Uh, well, why why is there so much talk. hostility? We, we had that episode a little while ago. Don't you remember? Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember it. We saved the the sister. They they kind of did their thing, but it's like, I don't know. It's just an Orion thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, it's just this constant like, hey sis, help me out, please. Hmm. Maybe. No. And just like this constant, what like? I'll help you, but. Yeah. So, uh, in, in an attempt to like borrow this warship um, to try and get through this Trinar system and get to Mariner, um, we basically uh, 
Tendi challenges um, her sister to like combat or whatever. I forget what it was barter actually called. By, barter by barter combat. by combat. That's what it was. Yeah. And um, we we have like this gladiator style coliseum style fight between this big giant Orion and Miggly Moo. Yeah, it's like, I know who we're gonna pick, right? As our champion, <laughs> Miggly Moo. Yeah. She's like six and a half shaxes. <laughs> <laughs> One of them said, "That's a shax and a half right there." <laughs> I thought I thought she said six and a half. I don't know. It, it was it was a a multi shax thing. That's for yeah, sure. It's it definitely a half shax in there. <laughs> so half, half a shax. There's a restaurant name for you. Half you just serve ribs. Half a shax. <laughs> yeah. So so here's the deal. I give you I give you a ship if you defeat my champion but if you lose to my champion you have to hand over the cerritos to me deal right which seems like a terrible deal like i'm giving you i know it's not like the enterprise or the titan but it's still like a federation starfleet ship that's got bells and whistles on it right Mm -hmm. and who knows what you're giving me some pirate vessel like i don't know what's going on with that Mm -hmm. i i think it is a little bit of like the 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 comedy of errors of lower decks because like I, I mean, not to like jump ahead, but what eventually winds up being the deal makes more sense to have just done that in the beginning. It's like, yes. well, then I will take your ship. No, I will give you something much better than that. You know what I mean? In the beginning, as opposed to it being like this pseudo gotcha moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so our uh, Miglimo, he decides to do his thing. He's run, run around scared, and he had a little shield. <laughs> He's got a little shield and a helmet. <laughs> um, he fluffs up, and you know our Orion is, is allergic and sneezes, and it's embarrassing. Do it, do fluff it. up. <laughs> I did like the little chicken noise they made when he puffed. You know that was kind That's of funny. Good. Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> so. Uh, does that snot gets all over him and he's like trying to wipe it away and then like fall, co- like the the Orion like just collapses Beth right Beth yeah something like that just collapses right on him and so they lose the Cerritos loses so mm-hmm. the Cerritos is gonna go to um you know our um our Orion sister. So that doesn't work. So we try something else, right? And it's uh, let let me come work for you, basically. Like I'll come home. I'll leave Starfleet. I'll be with you. Just let us have the ship. And um, we eventually get the ship. But by the way, it's um, all derelict and um, not worth a crap. Yeah. What was the phrase that that Tendi used? Like. You said you would give us something to help us. No, I didn't. I said something. What was the, like... I forget what her sister says, something. Yeah, so, something is very Orion of me or something like that. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just... I, I, yeah, very Orion. I can't remember the, the exact word she used. 
<clears throat> like I would I never discussed its condition or I never told you what condition it would be in something like that yeah yeah, yeah. so thanks to Erica appreciate it um, but we we get it and we decide we need to like do something with it and that it's going to take months to basically bring it up to snuff to do what we need it to do and uh, we have Rutherford and um, his best friend um, in, in the engineering crew arguing over what to do and um, Talyn comes in um, like I think I know how to resolve this and Billups is like oh my gosh you're going to do a mind meld not exactly something less invasive <laughs> and cue the, the Mark Twain uh, riverboat they really really love that Mark Twain thing like I mean you know so, it's growing so Chase, on me. Chase you sent us both a message the day of this episode aired and you're like this episode made me lol out loud for real like for maybe the first time ever it was this scene right no nope I just assumed that's what it was after I watched the episode. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it. Like the what incarnation? <laughs> it was good. Now this whole like, like Mark Twain riverboat, like, you know, conflict resolution thing is growing on me. I'm I'm kind of digging it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was dumb as all get out when we first saw it earlier this season, but I, I, I'm kind of liking it. Kind of liking it. Yeah, this is how we problem solve. We yeah. train it out. Why does this work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Talyn comes up with this. Like, <laughs> just dumb idea. Oh No, my, my funny moment is coming up a little bit later. Maybe you'll okay. figure it out. Okay. So, we figure out what we're going to do. We're going to do some system-y stuff, and... Um, we're also going to um, basically use a tractor beam to uh, haul it and to um, basically throw it um, and break this Trinar shield um, in the grand scheme of things. So there we go. And scene. Um, that being said, we're also going to be doing some personnel switching around uh, to pull this operation off so we're going to have um, some folks on the captain's yacht um, aka Freeman um, and we're going to have Boims um, who's going to be in the center seat on the Cerritos which I thought was kind of odd where was Ransom like I know I missed this the, I had to have missed on the yacht, I think was yeah. he on the yacht and shacks and basically <gasps> the senior staff went on the yacht okay which makes which is kind of dumb to take your entire senior staff but uh -huh. whatever but like I gotta feel like there's somebody before you get to. I know he. I know he's our main character, one A, one B, right? Boimler and Mariner, right? But like, there's gotta be somebody else to sit in that center seat, right? Yep. Like, whatever happened to um, Kayshawn uh, or something? Yeah, Remember he was Kendall? also on the yacht. Oh, was no, he? But like, yeah. Okay, I'm. I'm he's gonna kind say of I'm really... disappeared as a character, though. I think. What was the um I'm totally I'm I'm gonna sound like a total idiot, so I'm sorry, gents and the guy and everyone out in listener land, but there was a an older character. He was like um I think Lieutenant Commander, maybe. I don't think he was a full commander, but he was an older fellow. And I know he was like really 
trying to get like really chummy with uh, Ransom, like in the earlier seasons. Like, where's he at? <clears throat> do y'all know who I'm talking about? I do remember that. Yeah, he's a he's a red mm-hmm. he's a he's command division. He was wearing red. Mm-hmm. I don't. But yeah, where's he at? Gone. I don't know. Cool. Good talk. He's he's up there with a great panda in the sky. Mm. Or koala. Koala. We're gonna go yeah. with koala. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So we've done that. We've figured out how we're gonna do this, um, which brings us, I think, to Mariner, the Mariner of it all, with everything going on. So, after again, back at the beginning of all this, we had Locarno giving his like, you know, big grand maniacal plan of stuff and. Um, how he's like created this like fully independent fleet, Nova fleet um, of a bunch of folks that have grown sick and tired of being sick and tired of, you know, leaders not paying him any attention, paying him any mind. And here we are. We're, we're one big, happy, um, mutiny kind of family. Uh, we have Cardassians, we have Ferengi, we have Binar, we have all, everyone basically um, in, this, in this fleet. And um, following the on-screen communication, um, Mariner basically gives the bird to Lucarno, grabs Genesis' device, and gets the heck out of there. And gets a and, little spin wheel kick, you know? Yeah. Slides down, jumps over some Ferengi, and um, uses her mom's command codes to uh, um, steal a ship, basically. Dang, I knew that code would come in handy. 06107.2. <laughs> Welcome, Carol Freeman. Welcome. So, this is something I was wondering, guys. So, you know how, like, streaming services are, like, cracking down on, like, being able to, like, share passwords and stuff? Like, um, you know, that's the thing. So, why is it that you could have, like, command codes, like, on, I don't know, the Cerritos, um, and have command codes to run a ship, you know, like, the one that she stole? Like, why wouldn't, like... You know, the Starfleet mainframe be like, I'm sorry, you can't log in from here. Like, automatically log you out of the other one. Well, do you remember in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? Yes, I do. Where literally Kirk just looks up in the database the command codes for the Reliant and manages to shut down their shields so they can attack him. How is this any different? Okay, there is a difference because... I'm talking command code. I'm not talking a prefix code. Okay, the prefix code is what you're talking about in Wrath of Khan. Uh-huh. So, different things. So, like, you know, we know with Picard, like, his command code is Picard 472 Alpha Tango. Um, or whatever. So, like, that's, like, your own personal password where you can, you know, that you've, like, assigned to your particular ship. I'm overthinking this, guys. I realize this, but just let me have this one. Like, I just, I just don't get it. Like, again, it's a cartoon, I know, but how? I just don't get how that command code would work on a ship that she's never been in command of, ostensibly. Let's move on. I mean, you make a point, but yeah. 
Well, I, a prefix code, I could be, I mean, I could get down with a prefix code. Prefix code would make sense, but an actual command code would not make sense to me. Yeah, because realistically, I mean, we, we've seen captains transfer command to other captains. Mm-hmm. And then that would then enable their personal code to have been used, assuming. Right. But yeah, there's really no... Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we saw that with um, um, Jellico, right, in uh, Chain of Command. Like, when they did that, like, they had to do the whole um, change of command ceremony, right? Yeah. Uh, they were at 10 forward or wherever it was. I can't remember. Um, but as soon as it happened, like, all his command codes went to the Enterprise. Okay. Well, but what if there were no command codes really in input in that ship? I mean, it's, it's a former Starfleet ship. Maybe they didn't have that. It's just like a, oh, yeah, you're a captain. Sure. Come on in. <laughs> How'd that go again, David? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, um, I thought we had some, like, really good moments with Mariner um, with this. Like, I feel like she was, like, really trying to do the right thing. And um, just, like, her demeanor, like, really shifted um, whenever she realized what was going on and trying to get the Genesis device away from everything. Um, so we have, like, the chase, right? Like, we're, like, she's trying to, like, get the heck out of there, like, trying to get far away from everything and hope and pray that GD doesn't explode or anything like that. Um, so we go hide in... It's not an astro. It's like a crystalline kind of. Yeah, it's like starfield ice, thing. Ice, like giant, like snowflakes in space. Yeah. Um, and we hide there, and we're we're trying to create like this like dissension among the ranks, right? Like, um, you work for Lacarno? No, we don't work for him. Then, like, why is he ordering you around, telling we're you what to do? We're a coalition of equals. Right. Right. There's always, well, you go high enough, there's always one person at the top. Mm-hmm. Not when you're a coalition of equals. <laughs> and, you know, and she's, like, trying to talk to the, the Ferengi about the rules of acquisition. And, right? And, oh, she's going to make your, but you're forgetting about this one, right? Yeah. It was good. I mean, we, we we see we see a lot where you try and exploit specific weaknesses and so forth. And you know, she was a, at least you know observant enough to to see the you know the differences that you know the distrust of the Romulans, the profiteering of the Ferengi. You know that these are core sort of core values for them, or some sort of core behavior which don't seem to align to whatever this grand plan is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The thing that, I don't know, like, that I was just thinking about, like, why, why would we focus on, like, for, for Nick Lacarno, for Nicholas Lacarno, you know, like, he's trying to recapture some glory. He's trying to, like, get some degree of redemption from, like, 
what happened at the academy, you know, with him and in Nova Squad. But like, he's going after the lower deckers. And I realize that this what the name of the show is called. But like, you're getting a bunch of re- of by comparison, unexperienced officers to join your fleet. You know, like you're getting like your your ensigns, your lieutenant JGs or full lieutenants to join. And of course, it's going to vary between like you know zero to four or five some odd years of service, potentially. But like, why not like try and I mean like maybe there were some like <clears throat> lieutenant commanders and commanders somewhere in there, but like. Just having like all those like kind of rookie kind of officers just seems like it's spelling disaster before things really even get going. Well, I mean, those are probably the only people that you could convince. Like, I, I don't. I mean, <clears throat> you know, we saw Nicholas Lacarno convince a bunch of Starfleet cadets to go along with his plan and to to try to cover it up, right? Where he was, you know, we but we didn't see him able to like because we only saw him once but like it makes sense that he's going after those people that are at the bottom right because those are the only people that he can truly convince yeah well I mean I I think that there's like a need for followers too like this is like kind of a very I don't know. It sort of seems more like ego-driven person. This was done to me. I lost my perfect life, which was literally a line. Um, and then, you know, going after those who... And, and, well, it's also with Mariner. He's trying to also go after people who feel misunderstood, who feel like they've been wronged, who feel like they're not, you know, in the right place or whatever. When, in reality... I think he's just looking for people to agree with him. Just mm. plain and simple. So he's just targeting like the, the path of least resistance. He's not going to be able to turn a, a captain to his cause. Because what's his cause? You know, it's a, creating an independent fleet where they're all kind of just under my command. You know, you're not going to command somebody who has command. Um, I think he's just low-hanging fruit. Okay. Yeah, and and we see as soon as he starts to like, like as soon as people start to push back against him, he loses it, right? Yeah. Like as Mariner goes into that storm or whatever, and he's like, "We gotta get in there, go in there." It's like, "Are you giving us an order? Like we're we're a coalition of equals, get in there!" And he's just like starts to freak out, right? So it's like, if people push back against him. Like maybe he's he's like not able like that's the point I was trying to get to is that those are the only people that he can really convince is people that won't really like push back against him. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some planet hopping of sorts that's uh, kind of taken place. And um, she uh, Mariner in this uh, ship that she is um, commandeered. Um, basically runs up against like this Trinar shield and it, you know it's keeping her in and, and whatnot. so trying to move around that and uh, we finally 
end up at this last place and um, Locarno and uh, Mariner like basically are are having like their like kind of come to Jesus kind of meeting and trying to like convince one of the one one another to kind of stand down and it's not really happening while the Genesis device has also been I don't know activated um, with like this self-destruct uh, was it five minute countdown I believe yeah so um, at this point like we've had like our warship kind of punch through we've had the captain's yacht get through also and then there's like a short amount of time um, before like the shielding is going to basically like mend itself so we have a very narrow window to get in get mariner and get out with all this stuff happening and um, they beam basically like with all this conversation going on Mariner is beamed out and she's like trying to make a plea like no he's he's we need to get him we need to save him and he's like screw you guys not gonna happen and um, he's trying to um, I just love this this was the part that I laughed my butt off um, he's trying to stop the Genesis device and um, just when you think it's about to happen it's like please put in two slips of latinum Frankie's put a paywall on this thing <laughs> okay yeah. That, yeah that's funny yeah it just came out of nowhere and I'm like this is so perfect I I just found myself just laughing whenever I heard that line in my hotel room it was great it was great um but the thing that was like kind of weird and um I don't know how big of Marvel fans y'all are but like what basically happens afterwards is like the Genesis device and like the dispersion of stuff creates this planet um, and Locarno's DNA is basically all over it and it just kind of had like the whole like um, ego kind of planet thing from like Marvel kind of vibe to it Um, Star-Lord's dad is a living planet Um, so like that was just kind of where my mind went I'm like oh Okay, so we have a living planet like Ego. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. This is going to come back and bite us. Yeah, I just kind of thought back to, like, Spock, you know? It's like we're going to be, you know, instead of search for Spock, search for search for Nick, you know? I mean, I didn't think he was alive. I mean, I don't think, like, they're going to, like... I mean, maybe, like, in two, three, four seasons he'll show up again. Like, hey, guys, look. I got eaten by a bunch of like weird Genesis worms or whatever, but I'm fine. Um, anyway, um, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, it ends weird and nice and, um, stuff. I mean, Tendi, um, has to leave and, um, say goodbye to everyone. And she goes with her sister to Erica on this ship and it ended weird. Like with what I don't I didn't really get it. Did y'all get the ending? Like with her on the ship and just the way that she like stared right at the camera. Well, I I kind of feel like because there was a a line from the admiral to Freeman where he was like, you know, you you'd managed to open up whatever, have communications with the Orions, and it almost feels like may maybe I'm wondering if that's going to be more of like. 
backdoor Starfleet diplomatic sort of thing, you know. Maybe. Or maybe just a subplot for the next season where it's going to be more Orion-focused. Yeah. Maybe they're going to try yeah, to do it, some bad it stuff. It felt like a weird little send-off, right? Because we... We it, it didn't really set anything up for the next season, you know, like, um, and it doesn't always have to. I don't think season. I mean, season one set up was well, like Boimler leaving to go to the Titan, and season two set us up for what Carol Freeman got arrested and how's that going to play out. Season three gave us the total fake out, which I'm still, which we can talk about later, which I'm still a little like. Why do they add that scene in there, right? But this, I don't really feel like this is giving us a lot of setup, right? I know we've we've probably got to get her back, but I mean, do we do we just assume that we get her back at some point? I don't. That's know. a good question. That's a good. I question. don't know. Any final thoughts in the episode, guys? Before we move in, move along, move along home. <laughs> No, okay. no, I'm, we're good. All right, uh, so let's let's move into the evaluation of of stuff. Uh, let's talk about the deltas um, and how well the different divisions were represented in this episode. Um, collectively, we can still do this. Um, I think command was was demonstrated um, in this episode pretty well all across the board, like with the way that uh, Mariner was conducting herself on the on the commandeered ship. Boimler and even Freeman working together. I thought that was great. I thought that was good stuff. Um, um, there might, I think there's, there's some stuff like with engineering that might, or, 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 or operations, I should say, that would probably work out. Tractor um, beam. Yeah. Tractor beam, even like the, um, like the use of like the um, like the Genesis device maybe and just like the fleet and like all the stuff that was going on. I think that's there. Is science there? I don't know. The allergies thing. <laughs> that's that's reaching. Sure. <laughs> well but it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think that the biggest thing that really is, it's really just command growth, you know, because you obviously had a huge change with Mariner. Uh, you know, Freeman is being an actual captain, making a difficult decision. And then he, even I think like, you know, Boimler, when we think about him back in like season one and, you know, coming back to be being an ensign you know after having this promotion and everything and kind of I think in a lot of ways overthinking things and, and not necessarily like or maybe just being afraid of what the eventual like chair moment so to speak but in here he he's doing his thing like there's there's really not the the level of hesitation so there's a lot of confidence growth there I would say yeah, I mean, there's some operational stuff. I mean, like I said, the tractor beam, the shield, getting through the shield with the ship. It's a little crude, but it's a it's a way. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree, I think, definitely with the Mariner and the Boimler of it, like, the the leadership growth, uh, like, you definitely, like, Mariner trying her best to talk Locarno down and to, um, to convince all the other people in his Nova fleet that, like, like this is like this is not somebody you want to follow. This is not what you want to be doing. And then yeah, Boimler. Like I think in season one, Boimler would have been scared out of scared crapless to sit in the captain's chair in that moment. But now we see that he's like kind of he's really grown into that. He's not ready for it quite yet, but I think he did admirably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boimler's definitely had some um, um, leadership moments. Uh, this season, like between like you know leading an away team, you know earlier on with our Halo Planet, um, Cradle of Vexilon, I believe it was that episode, um, to now you know being you know the temporary temporarily in command of the Cerritos. I mean, there's a trajectory for him, even for Mariner, like we've been saying. So, um, any final thoughts about Delta before we move into numerical rating? Nope. Okay. No. All right, so let's do it. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a dumpster fire, 10 being absolutely amazing. How in the world do you rate this episode, David? Um, so I'll start by saying that I actually really enjoyed this episode far more than anything from this season. Um, I know it took a while to get to the payoff uh, of it all, and it was... I have to say it was predict predictable because it was we did we predicted it so I, I think several episodes back um, but it was an interesting interesting premise I mean you kind of use a so I mean I would call Nick Locarno a bit of a random character to just pull out of the hat with a mustache tweedling kind of evil plan you know but I it, it actually wasn't like the most terrible plan I've ever heard. He had a powerful shield and a Genesis device and a hardworking group of comrades, you know, just ready to do their thing until they weren't. Um, but I, I think just like from a story standing, story standing, a storytelling standpoint, um, this, this was probably one of the tightest episodes that they've had just period to me. I mean, we, we can, we can kind of nitpick some some things but i i think that like i have to view it in a from a vein of like suspension of disbelief uh because of what the show truly is and it's, it's a cartoon it's a kooky cartoon um but you know mariner we've complained about mariner in the past and you know how we seem to be rehashing these problems over and over again and how she's not necessarily always done the right thing but like here she's showing her starfleet you know she she's showing the person that that she wants to be I, I i think but you know also needs to be and i and i appreciate you know there was even the sequence where she didn't fire a shot at her pursuers uh, i mean one of them did go up in a ball of fire but you know it's just piloting error right um but you know there's there's a level of control there that we really haven't necessarily seen and, and that's that's big growth now i will come back to this episode and rate it to nothing if i have to hear mariner complain about her past or some do some childish bs or whatever in a 
future season uh, because I, I really think that this is the point where we just need to be done with that. And I, and I feel like that's the route we're going. But even with Boimler, we talked about, you know, personal growth that's there. Uh, you know, so your two in quotations, one A, one B, whatever main characters have have shown a tremendous level of growth, which is satisfying to see. But you know, I, I think in the scope of a, a short a short episode, you had you know a problem. You had sort of like the in quotations hero step up. You have everybody really step up around for the rescue mission. You have kind of a creative solution, although it is a fetch quest. It is what it is. You have some backstabbing going on. You've got like logic being used against the other factions that are in here with Locarno and, and turning against each other, you know, using the power of the mind and not the power of the phaser, you know, to, to solve a, a problem. Um, so for me, it was actually very uh, satisfying. It was semi cinematic. It was to me, I mean, aside from you know the the cursing and the in the bs and some of that um it was it was probably as good as as lower decks can get for me i don't think i don't think that they're capable of doing much better than this and i hope i'm proven wrong um but i looked through our scores and i saw that the highest i'd ever given an episode was a nine for reflections um so i I, I think I'm still sticking with what I was originally thinking about after I finished. So I'm going to put this at a 9.2. It, to me, it was the best episode of Lower Decks that they've done, period. Okay. Okay, 9.2 from David. So for me, um, I'm kind of I'm kind of with, with you, David. Um, this was, um, I think, the most enjoyable episode of the season, which I think is what you hope air quotes hope to experience when it comes to a season finale of any show you want it to be really a really satisfying really enjoyable episode and it hasn't always been that way um not just with lower decks but like with like some of the other shows that we've we've looked at like it's been like very very much a hit and miss kind of thing um but this was I think this was truly an episode where I didn't find myself groaning about how things were progressing. I really thought it was um, well-rounded um, with our characters, with um, like like you even said, David, like with how um, they kept it like pretty tight, like with the story and like the progression of stuff. Um, it seemed like everyone did have something to do for the most part like we saw attendee you know uh, front and center you know tr doing what she could you know like with with the Orion side of things to um, um, to try and advance and like get the resources that we needed to, to get um, even Rutherford you know especially like there at the end like with trying to come up with like these different engineering kinds of solutions and ways of thinking about stuff um, to our senior officers, even um, throwing a bone to our junior officers in with this like important aspect of the mission. Um, the thing that like really impressed me was just the the moments that we had with Mariner, where she's like realizing like where things were going on, and even though she's a pretty comedic character, 
um, like there was a tonal shift with her um, in this episode that I really appreciated. And it was uh, from the time that we're in the, the hallway on the, um, the ship um, before like we get to like the bridge and everything like where she goes from being like this kind of like jokester kind of apprehensive uneasy about what's going on to you know really switching and like being like a leader and like really living up to like her command division like officer stuff uh, I was just really impressed with Mariner this episode I was just really impressed with her um, and I'm I'm hoping that we don't dial back her growth for the sake of a new season like I really hope we don't get to season 5 like you're saying um, and just ignore what happened uh, with her I, I don't want that I just I don't want that um, I think the there's still room for comedy there's always room for like the like the moments of levity and fun with our characters regardless of what position they're in but like not at the expense of character growth so like let's have some fun obviously this is a comedy show but like let's not forget what we've been able to see with Mariner and what we've been able to see with Boimler Rutherford Tendy um, I do hope we get to see some some more Tendy stuff and like where this role on the Orion ship uh, how that plays out and um, more to Lynn please give me more to Lynn I need more to Lynn in my life um I just thought this was a good episode. And um, seeing your rating, David, um, I was thinking about this being a, um, a higher rated episode myself. Um, I might need to bump mine up just a little bit. I don't know if I want to go completely into the nine territory with you. Um, but it's, it's definitely a, a, a solid episode. One that I... I don't know if I would watch it um, as much as I would like other episodes, but this is one I wouldn't write off from watching again. It was an enjoyable episode. Um, definitely the best of season four. So I think um, I can live with um, this episode being... Okay, I can live with that. Um, I think for me, I'm just going to give this just a solid 9. So Eric, bring us on home, bud. Alright, so let me educate the two of you here. <laughs> Get us learned no, real um, good. No, like, I, I think you're both right in the fact that this was the best episode of this season. And Chase, you said that you hope that the final episode delivers, right? It doesn't always have to be the best episode of the season, but you hope it delivers. And and I think Lower Decks is a show that's been very good at delivering good final episodes. If you look back, season one, no small parts, I clearly was the best episode of season one. Um, you know, season two, first first contact, that was a really enjoyable episode. It it did a lot of really good things. Um, it wasn't necessarily the best episode of that season, but I think it delivered a satisfying finale. Like last season, you know, the stars at night, we all rated that pretty similarly, but 
in like the mid eight range, right? So, you know, lower decks delivered on on endings. Um, I I just I guess I kept waiting in this episode for something more to happen. In this, you know, we were talking about last week, like is Nicholas Lacarno really like the mastermind and the person behind this? Cause it seems like just a random person to pull back from the, it's like, yes, I have this encyclopedic knowledge of the past and I'm going to pluck some person out of here that you would never suspect. And it's like, okay, but does it make sense for Nicholas Lacarno to be the final boss at the end of all of this? And, and to me, it, it didn't make sense and that's why I kept looking, is there more to it? Is there more to it? Like, I brought this up last week, you know, and I've been bringing it up all season long. We got that little teaser at the end of season three, like, you know, Boimler's clone, transporter clone, who faked his death and now is part of Section 31. Where's the payout from that? Like, you don't just tack that on there for no reason unless you plan to come back for it. And I am kept thinking in mind, is there going to be some Section 31 or some other person behind Nicholas Lacarno? And and I, I brought up, oh, they mentioned Thomas Riker, you know, the transporter clone, right? Was that supposed to get us thinking about that from the previous season? Um, and it's like, I, I, just, I, I have a difficult time believing Nicholas Lacarno being the ultimate boss, right? And, and for me that just that pulls down this episode in my mind because i i wanted a little bit more but i but I, I do agree i think that this episode it did a lot of things really well right mariner especially was very good in this episode and yeah david you're right this episode becomes a zero if we go back if we backtrack from where she's been right now um uh you know, Boimler showing that growth of being able to sit in that center seat. And, and you know, I know we talk about Carol Freeman being wishy-washy from time to time, but, you know, for her to, you know, say, orders be damned, this is my daughter, I'm going after her, and to come up with a plan and, and to, like, let somebody else be in charge of her ship while she goes off on and does something else and coming up with this this subterfuge this root this ruse like it was really good and, and she was very effective here um you know i would have liked to have seen rutherford do a little bit more i think basically this episode for him was just hey i'm gonna mark twain twain it out with somebody to figure out how we solve this so i wish he had a little bit more to do um because he's been prominent in all the finales up till now right i think um, if you look back at them, right, like uh, No Small Parts, the, the um, Stars at Night from last year, and um, First First Contact, he, he played a big role, and he really didn't in this role. Like, the Tendy thing feels to me out of, like, I don't understand it, like, her going away, because we all love Tendy. Um, I don't know, I think like, I'm rambling right now, because I don't actually have a number <laughs> like, like your guys is kind of like threw me off. I was not expecting David to say that this was the best episode of Lower Decks ever, um, and and that's fine. He said that. Like I'm not here to tell him 
he's wrong. Like, I'm not here to tell anybody they're wrong. Like, even you out in listener land or you random person on the internet. Um, it was a good, solid episode. Definitely the best of this season. And and towards the, the towards the top of like the lower decks rankings, right? Through what forty episodes now. Um, yeah, I think I'll just give it an eight point seven five. Okay. So the numbers are in, and um, let's see, we have eight point seven five from Eric, a nine two from David, and a nine from myself, which gives the um, overall episode rating an eight point nine eight. Which is wow, because. Yeah. If you look at the next highest rated episode of this season, right, from us, Empathological Fallacies, a 7.7. Yeah. That's a significant jump. Yeah. I mean, just, like, look. I mean, if if we're mathing this right and, and like, the formula is right, the season average, 7.05. So, like, that episode. Last season. Compared to last season, which was a seven-seven, um, season two was a six point seven five, and we didn't um, have anything for season one. Okay, so not as good. As, I would I would agree that I don't think this season was as strong as last season. Yeah. Yeah. But we can talk about that another day. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, there we go. And um, yeah, the overall I see the overall um, rating page has already been updated. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like my thing. That's his thing, man. That's what, I just that's need it. my thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very beautiful thing, by the way. And yes, we're talking about Star Trek ratings. I hope so. <laughs> I know. Well, guys, we are we're done with Trek for a little while. There's no new Trek coming out for who knows how long. Um, it feels what, odd that we haven't gotten like a Discovery update yeah. or like a new yeah. trailer or something. The the closest thing to an update that we have isn't really an update in the grand scheme of things. So, as as we all know, Prodigy was saved by Netflix. And they said that um, they're going to re-air Prodigy Season 1 on Netflix um, in 2023 and then new episodes in 2024. So at the time of this recording, we are um, um, in early November of 2023. And um, it was just announced um, recently that um, Season 1 of of, um, Prodigy was going to drop on Christmas um, 2023. So, Prodigy, did they ever get their release on Nickelodeon? Um, I believe so. I believe they did. Yeah. So, yeah. So, we'll get season one dropping um, come Christmas 2025, or 2023, not 2025, December 25th, 2023. There we go. Uh, with no date get released for season two. But I'm I'm looking forward to season two. And I know most of us are, too. Um um, seeing where they go and um, seeing them as warrant officers doing their thing. So that, that'll be good. That'll be cool. Um, Discovery, 
Um, I mean, I think the only thing we really know is early 2024. I mean, that's what's been advertised like forever now, early 2024. So if I were like, a betting man. What does that mean, early 2024? If I were a betting man, I'd say February, guys. I mean, if, if it's any, if we like look at Picard, right? Like Picard was like a January, February kind of show. And like, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe late January, early February, if I were putting money down, which I'm not, but that's what I'm kind of expecting to, to hear. And we're all looking forward. Hey, it's the last season. It's amazing things could happen. You never know. Who knows? You know, they went back and did reshoots. Yeah. It's always a good sign. Yeah. Is it a good sign? Oh, boy. To make it an official ending so it doesn't just end like the original series. Be you. (laughs) All right. But, oh, other good news, uh, in case y'all haven't heard, and maybe some of our our, uh, folks in listener land haven't heard either, um, but the... um, SAG after strike has ended. So that means that um, the actors will be getting back to work here um, in the near ish future, uh, which means that we can finally resolve that dadgum um, cliffhanger with Strange New Worlds. So, I mean, in all honesty, it's probably looking like it would be a miracle if they got it out by the end of 2024. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm really hoping we don't with have all to wait. the post production that would go. Oh yeah, it. yeah, oh yeah. But the, I mean, but the thing is too, like the writers, writers have been off strike for month, month and a half now, I think. So the writers have been able to go back to work, and so they've potentially been able to write a fair amount of scripts um, since they've been back. So, you know, once everything gets rocking and rolling, I mean, they'll be able to in theory just film and be in production and do that and I really hope we don't have to wait till May 2025 for Strange New Worlds I don't need that negativity in my life guys I just don't need it I need I need Strange New Worlds as soon as possible so that's all I got alright anything else from you guys no no all right, well, guys, it's been fun going through another season with y'all. Uh, we'll probably do a retrospective eventually. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. <One> day. <laughs> but um, as always, guys, thanks for talking truck with me, and it's always a pleasure. Um, all you out there in Listerland, hope you enjoyed the this episode. I hope you enjoyed the season too, and we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on the season. Uh, and um, if you rated this particular finale um, as high as we did, maybe lower, maybe it was a perfect 10 for you. Who knows? Um, connect with us. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, you can learn more about us and the show. Connect with us and, and uh, uh, support us either on Patreon. Um, all that stuff is on our website, trtvpod.com. Of course, you can connect with us and um, you know send us a direct message to trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, or you can also send us a voice-only um, transmission eight one seven seven five two four seven five seven. Remember, there is a three-minute limit, so watch out now. Um, other than that, if you want to um, mail us something like some allergy pills, 
uh, so that we don't sneeze when Miggly Moo, um, you know, does his, you know, thing. Uh, make sure you get to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so very much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.